now listening to the Seventh Rounders. the second episode of the seventh rounders follow us uh on our instagram account seventh rounders pod you can find us on twitter seventh podcast and uh we're also live on apple uh podcast as well as spotify pretty big deal for us that one is just seventh rounders podcast again it's the number seven th uh rounders podcast uh we look forward to uh getting you guys all uh, on board here. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here again. So it's been a big week in sports, to say the least. A lot of uh, breaking news, a lot going on, and we've received a lot of feedback from you guys, which means a lot. And uh, things we're definitely working on, and then some things, you know, you can't work on, like my high-pitched voice. You guys are just going to have to deal with that for the next couple years, and hopefully I'll add 20 or 30 pounds and that'll change but for now just you're gonna have to deal with it um so to start out we have some news that have been going around and i think connor is gonna start with that or john connor you take the floor i'll I'll hand it to you after you sir so big news today um coming out of uh the steel city of pittsburgh uh you know antonio brown not happy no one has any idea what's really going on in there. But uh, anyways, Bruce Arians, uh, Antonio Brown's former uh, offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, came out, said there's too much miscommunication, too much diva, completely called out Antonio, said it wasn't the same guy they drafted 10 years ago. Antonio fires back a tweet saying he didn't draft me. He drafted Emmanuel Sanders, same guy who missed rehab to go on networks to talk about me. On situation, he has zero clue. Arians now wears kangaroo hats and glasses, but I'm a diva. Done seen it all. Then they say we friends. Stop lying. So then he throws shots at Emmanuel Sanders. Absolute whirlwind. Emmanuel Sanders basically says, there's no way I went to L.A. just to talk about you. Just complete mess of a situation. I think A.B.'s out for sure next year, but uh, big news coming out of Pittsburgh today. You know, I wouldn't be afraid to, to drug test A.B. at this point. I don't even – and I read the quotes. I read the Arians interview. I mean, he complimented him a ton. So, A.B. is just a little, a little full of himself. Honestly, get him out of there. That's what I say if I'm Pittsburgh. But let's move on. Let's talk about a real situation, real world. You know, I, I don't like to talk politics here. Ennis Cantor has been, been called a terrorist by the Turkish government. And I'm sitting here, same damn boring dinner as every other night, thinking it's just, you know, how much lower can it get? And, you know, I could be Turkish in the NBA, and my government could be calling me a terrorist. So I guess I got to count my blessings where I can, you know. So we'll see how that goes, you know. Uh, good luck to Ennis. Seems like a good guy. I think, and then, I think what was that? I said I think he'll get through it. I mean – Late rumor uh, came out about a week ago. Kings were interested in him, so I'm all for it. As long as he stays in the U.S., I mean, he could be very valuable to some playoff teams in the later in the year to make that playoff push. So yeah. keep an eye on him. You know, he's, he's got bigger things to worry about than the playoffs right now. You, you know how the Turks get over there. 
Just kidding. <laughs> I don't know any Turks. Um, but but back to back to it. So free agency, MLB free agency is pretty much at its climax right now. Um, just sh- shooting all over the place. Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, sweepstakes are are running hot. We heard that the White Sox offered Machado seven years, hundred seventy five million. His agent comes out. He says that's not true. We don't know what they offered him. I think Machado is going to end up in Chicago. I really do now. They've been they've been the hottest team on him. It seems like Chicago White Sox need to make some noise because they're probably the most boring franchise I can think of in Major League Baseball. They got some prospects. They're boring though. You know who they got? Eloy Jimenez. That that's Nick Edgar's boy. Um, and then Bryce Harper. I I think he's going to end up in Philadelphia. I really do. And they're going to be they're going to be dangerous. They already signed Kutch, as we know. That's my guy. So. You know, the Phillies are only a couple pieces away from being a real problem out there. Hey, John, you think after the news on uh, Machado, you think more teams are going to get on get in on him based on that offer? Yeah, because I think it was a low ball. I think 175 is light. Didn't Bryce get 300 a couple years ago? Or someone got 300. I think Carlo signed a, a big deal. Oh, with oh, yeah. yeah. And, and Machado's only getting 175. I think teams are absolutely going to jump on that. But I think Chicago's probably going to end up end up winning the sweepstakes there. Yeah, similar case. Back when Cano left the Yankees, he was originally supposed to re-sign with New York, and they offered him like a five-year, $175 million, And that was apparently a low ball because he wound up going to Seattle. So kind of a similar situation going on there. So it'll be interesting. And he winds up in Seattle and he gets caught uh, with the drug testing stuff. So, you know, um, what could have been for them? They, they were looking up last year. I know. I know, it's a bummer. But um, then last big news is our boy, hope to get him on the podcast, LT Gray, Tiger Woods, announced today that he will be playing next week in the Farmers Insurance Open at none other than Torrey Pines, where he's an eight-time winner. And I'll tell you what, I'm excited. I'll be watching it in class on Thursday and Friday. And uh, golf's just better with Tiger back. So really looking forward to that and then the upcoming year. Got the Masters oh, right on the no corner. No question about that. Golf infinitely better with Tiger on the course. Listen, the, the Tiger, Phil, was the most exciting golf I've seen in years. I just want to say shout out Reddit one time. <laughs> it's coming clutch. It has. So um, we'll kind of move on now to the divisional games, kind of look at last weekend, and we're going to start with Indy and Kansas City. What did you guys think of that game? Um, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. I thought Indy was going to give a better fight going into the week. Um, I know they were mine and a lot of people's uh, pick for a potential upset. <clears throat> Although, if our viewers remember correctly, I did pick the Chiefs to win that game. So I'd like to take credit there. But uh, that kid Mahomes is just, he's, he's for real. He's the real deal. And their defense came to play, and if that defense can play like that every week, I think they got a legitimate shot to uh, beat the Pats and, and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I'm on the record. I went on the record mid-game before they had it in the bag saying, Pat Mahomes, by the end of his NFL career, I think he's going to be the best to do it, as long as, you know, injuries don't happen. Wow. He's played – he's started, what, 17, 18 games? And yeah. I'm on the record – on the record, this kid is good. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But Oh, don't worry about it. I'm right pretty much. No one will ever be better than Brady. 
Let's put that on the record right now. There's no way Mahomes wins seven Super Bowls. How, how many AF, AFC championship games has Brady been at two in a row? It's like more than... It's like 11, maybe. 10 or 11. All right, well, you guys be doubting Patrick, and I, I'm on him. All right. Um, just to add on to that game, I mean, Luck had an off day. I am also on the record saying Luck was the best quarterback in the NFL this year. False. He had an absolutely amazing season. You look at that team the last three years, they were not three years, probably two years without Luck. They were awful. One of the three or four worst teams in the NFL, they could not do anything. You have Luck come back, and I'll tell you what, second half of the season, they were they were legit. Luck firing the ball around, it's something to watch. I mean, it was just one of those days where it didn't work out. Even the greats have that, so... Now listen, we're going we're gonna to catch some flack here because I just said Mahomes is going to be the best quarterback ever. You just said Luck had the best season from a quarterback this year. Not a great look. You know, people might be like, hey, what are these guys talking about? I don't think Luck had the best season for a quarterback. That was obviously Mahomes. I think Luck was the most valuable quarterback to his team, though. I would, you can make that argument. Without, I mean, clearly, without him, they're, they're pretty bad. And they don't have much weapons, like, Running Marlon Mack, T.Y. Mm -hmm. Hilton's obviously a stud, but I mean they don't have a ton of weapons, and he honestly made T.Y. Hilton. He's an undersized receiver. Eric Ebron had a Pro Bowl year, and Eric Ebron, Ebron's been labeled a bust up until this year. He gets traded to Indy and balls out with Luck. So Luck definitely, I think you can make an argument was most valuable to his team. I hear what you're saying, and I, I Mahomes is a great quarterback, but let's be real: if you put Luck on Kansas City, they don't lose a game. They don't lose a game. I don't know. It's Kansas City doesn't play Luck style. Luck is gonna go under center every play. But Luck can move though. You saw him in games. He can escape pressure. It does not matter, dude. I'm telling you. You put Luck with those weapons in Kansas City with Andy Reid. They don't lose a game this year. <laughs> All right, we gotta move on. That's just uh, that's an argument for another day. Uh, the next game, Pats uh, Chargers. I mean. This is one of those games you, you look at uh, after it's happened and you're like, obviously that was going to happen. You know, that's just a typical Pats win. Everything leading up to the game pointed Chargers, Chargers, Chargers. This is a different Chargers team, not the same Pats team. Not even close. Not even close. Yeah, I mean, coaching. They were just, the Chargers were outcoached. They didn't do anything that they were good at all year. They abandoned the run early on. And, I mean... Belichick set Brady up, and Brady just carved that defense apart. So, Chargers, when once you abandon the run, they're in trouble, especially in New England. The crowd was in it, and it forced them into some penalties and early timeouts, and they couldn't recover. So, I think that was a, a major case of just coaching, and um, I don't know. It'll be interesting with New England going to Kansas City, so... You know, something happens when the calendar flips to January every year. Tom Brady, you know, they can be having the most mediocre-looking season, somehow still win 11 games. You don't even realize it. I don't know. G Giselle might be putting something in that coffee in the morning when it hits January, just a little New Year's resolution. Who knows? Who knows? Dude, they, they're literally gifted six wins a year, though. It's, it's actually sad. You guys, you're Dolphins fans. Tell your division to figure it out and start actually playing challenging games. Six wins. When's the last time Brady won in Miami? We're, yeah, we're good fine. for a split. 
you're giving him five wins at a minimum. Talk to a Bills fan, man. I'm not in charge of them. And the Jets are uh, god-awful. So nothing we can do there. We'll have to get a Bills fan on the podcast or something and just absolutely destroy them because they're they're hopeless. But, yeah, I agree. You have an Eagles fan on today's pod uh, coming up. We will be uh, we will be touching base with the with an Eagles super fan later on. Um, moving over to the NFC, we had the Rams and the Cowboys. Um, that was I'm gonna be honest. I was out. I was out that night. I didn't really catch much of the game, um, but I did see the final was thirty twenty two. Uh, I wanted I wanted to be known that John Clemens was absolutely wrong in predicting the Cowboys victory. Um, I hope he he owns up to that in, in just a second here. John, yeah, wrong. I'll be honest, I was wrong. And you, <laughs> but hey, and they made it. I I was really proud of my my team at least making it a game. It was at least you know they they had a chance at the end. They made it a one possession game. It was not nearly as exciting as I hoped it would be. I really thought it would be an instant classic. Far from it, but... Maybe if they had a quarterback, it would have been an instant classic. Huh? I said maybe if they had a quarterback, it would have been an instant classic. Or a competent head coach, but we'll get into that later. Getting into that in a little bit here. We will Um, be getting into that. Yeah, to touch on that as well, the Cowboys' D just... I mean, they were decent in the second half, but the first half, it just... Wasn't them, and I also didn't watch the full game, but I went back and uh, watched more of the first half. I had a, I had some intramural hockey I had to tend to, number nine for the best player. But, um, yeah, I think Jason Garrett needs to go. I mean, he just got out-prepared for that game, and uh, the team's talented. Don't get me wrong, but they, especially with what they had, like 60% of the fans in that stadium, and... I don't know. Something's got to change there. I am quoted on this show as saying that would not matter. It did not matter at all. Really? Yeah, I think we could rewind the tape. I said the the fan difference will not matter. Rams just stomped them. It was close in the end, but I I honestly think it was a blowout. Listen. The Rams, dude. Dallas has to do all they can to resign to Marcus Lawrence. So... He's going to – I'll put this on the record. I think Demarcus Lawrence is going to get – if he doesn't get re-signed, the most lucrative annual free agent contract this offseason. Demarcus Lawrence. So it's not a bad prediction. Just to touch on the Rams specifically, well, two teams. So you have um, Damian Williams with Kansas City and uh, uh, what's Anderson's first name? DJ Anderson. Yeah, C.J. Anderson with the Rams. Two backups that have come in and produced about as well as the starters before them. What are your thoughts on running backs in today's NFL? Don't First of all, don't try to tell me C.J. Anderson has performed at the level of Todd Gurley. I need you <laughs> to back up real quick. So, And number two, C.J. Anderson was a starter for a while, so that's expected. He's done great. I really don't want to talk about him ever again on this show. Damian Williams has done a fantastic job. I had no idea who he was. But uh, to answer your question, I think uh, any running back in the right scheme can can do well. I agree. I think running back is the 
least important skilled position to draft high at. I, I would not disagree with that statement. I, I agree with that. I'm starting to see it more after those two examples. You, you, you can say what you want about C.J. Anderson, but he was maybe not as productive, but right up there with some of Gurley's numbers. And I love Gurley. And Damian Williams, my God, has been a stud the last five weeks. So, I mean, it gets all the news when Zeke's draft in the top five or Saquon, whatnot. But I you don't have, know. have a special few running backs in the NFL. You got Gurley, Barkley. Uh, Elliot, um, honestly, I mean, maybe Le'Veon. I haven't seen him play in a year because I, I, I really don't don't know what that was. Do you think that's contract, though? Le'Veon's, you're seeing these backups produce. You think this scares teams away from signing him to a big deal? It should. It won't, though. It won't. Listen, uh, all I can think about is how C.J. Anderson is the, like, Costco version of Frank Gore. The guy's not going to perform – he, there's no way that he does that well ever again in his career. Costco? Yeah, dude. That was brilliant, John. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> you know, I know it was. I get that a lot. Really? All right. Well, let's move on then to the last game. Um, Eagles and Saints. Coaching again. I mean, Eagles go down and score their first two drives, go up 14 nothing, and I'm like, God, I'm going to go 4-0 on the week. And Sean Payton and the coaching staff got together and turned things around, and they shut the Eagles down the rest of the game. And the Saints' D looked legit. And that's got to be Sean Payton's trademark for his career. He has the phenomenal special teams call uh, in the Super Bowl against the Colts, onside kick coming out of half. He calls that fake punt in the uh, first quarter, I believe, of that Eagles game. Completely changes the momentum. All right. Two of the most brilliant calls uh, I've seen in a while, just because they worked out. Listen, one of our biggest fans, Abby Hunt, great girl, great lady, um, she's sitting on the couch with me watching this Eagles game. It's 14-0. She looks at me and goes, I got a bad feeling about the Eagles here. I was like, how are you going to say that? She called it, though. She fucking nailed it on the head. And that's intuition right there. Absolute intuition. So can you guard Mike? Mike Thomas, Mike Thomas is the best wide receiver in football right now. He has those crosses. He crosses with his eye black. That dude looks mean. I don't want to cover that. He is going to absolutely eat alive the Rams secondary. I am praying. I wake up praying that they put Marcus Peters' bum ass on Michael Thomas. He will not stand a chance. I bleed myself out for the kids at home. Michael Thomas, best receiver in football. Changed my mind. I'm, I'm going to put three. I was close, but uh, I still have Hopkins and Julio ahead of them just based on pure athletic ability. But I love myself some Michael Thomas. He shows out, and um, it's fun to watch. That, that guy's different, let me tell you. He's, he's different. He... I don't know the last time I've seen him drop a pass. And I'm a Falcons fan. I watch the Saints at, at least twice a year, plus all of their other primetime games. I don't think I've seen him drop a pass. But uh, I agree with Chad. I would still uh, I still think Hopkins and um, Julio are better. But um, 
Yeah, so coming up here, uh, we, we had one of our great uh, friends, Mike Rodriguez, join us here on the show. Um, and yeah, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce superfan Mike Rodriguez. Uh, superfan Mike Rodriguez joining us now. Huge Eagles guy. Not a lot of credibility on the streets, honestly, after that video that went viral. Um, but, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm great, man. It's a pleasure to be on this up-and-coming podcast with the boys. Um, I'm excited to get the ball rolling. Let's get it. Yeah, I assume you're feeling a little better today than you did yesterday, hopefully. <sighs> a little bit. Still hurts, but, um, you know, day by day. Yeah, so we'll, we'll jump right into it. We're going to ask you a few questions about your uh, your fandom, uh, talk about, you know, the heated Wentz-Foles debate, um, and, and just kind of get your, your predictions for next year. But uh, I guess to start us off, when exactly did you know you were an Eagles fan? Great question. Um, I was four years old. I was at my buddy's place, and his dad had, like, a 1,000 football cards. And we were young, and he gave us all a card. And I was like, whichever card this is, that's the team I'm going to start following. And I don't remember who the player was, but it was an Eagles card. And ever since then, I've been riding the wagon. So, a while. So he doesn't have the card, it sounds like. Doesn't know the player. Very yeah. suspicious off the rip. Very, very questionable. I, uh, yeah, that, I guess that you, one could say that's fate. Another person could be like, that, that's pretty random. Now let me add something here. <laughs> I know he doesn't remember the card. This man, and he might, you're going to have to fact check, he might be the only person in the United States that owns a Kevin Curtis Philadelphia Eagles jersey. This is true. This is true. That's true. If that doesn't solidify it for me, then I don't know what will. I don't have the card. This is true. But you know you have those memories that you remember like it was yesterday. I do remember getting the card, flipping it over, and being like, I'm an Eagles fan. So we'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. So, who is your favorite Eagles player of all time? Another great question. This one's tough. Um, I gave you a list the other day, actually, when we were together. But I got to say, number one overall, it's got to be Deshaun Jackson. That man, growing up, being in high school and all that, he was my boy. Lights out. So many plays. Everyone remembers the punt return against the Giants for the dub. I'll never forget it, watching that whole game. Um, but Deshaun was electric. After that, it's Brian Westbrook, Donovan McNabb, Brian Dawkins. Um, the list goes on. But definitely the older players at the top of the list. Wow. Deshaun Jackson. I miss him in an Eagles jersey, to be honest. Um, all right, we're going to transition into some more negatives here. Okay. Tough, tough end of the season the other day, honestly. I was with you. I'm not going to say whether I had money on the Eagles or not to win that game. but. You know, Alshon Jeffrey, he, he owes me something. Definitely owes me something. Who is to blame for the loss? Well, you know, I've seen, a lot of, I've seen a lot of Eagles losses in my day. There's always a lot of blame to go around. But for me, I'm going to be that guy, and I'm going to blame it on the coaching. I thought the players kept the momentum pretty level the entire game. You know, it was back and forth, back and forth. Eagles obviously jumped out to a hot 14-0 start. It was looking like a blowout low-key. Saints figured it out. They woke up. Eagles held their own. And the biggest issue was third down. They get all the way to third down each drive. And every single time, Drew Brees pick and pop, find Michael Thomas or someone else open. So 
you know, coaching, I'm going to go ahead and go that direction. It's tough to say, but you just got to make the right calls, man, on defense. So I know it was not big um, Nick Foles' best day, but in, in the large scope of things, does this change how you uh, how you see Nick Foles in an Eagles uniform next year or another uniform? Or what does that game kind of tell you about him? Good question. I will preface any Nick Foles talk with this. As an Eagles fan, I know Nick Foles a whole lot. He's been a phenomenal player for his organization, both in and outside the playoffs. But, hey, hey, but, <laughs> but I do think his time is up. I think he's going to go to a different team. I hope he does well. But, again, appreciate everything he did for the Eagles. The man balled out when we needed him to. Stepped up to the plate when Carson went down. And let's not forget 2013, 2012 with Chip Kelly. The man balled out. 27 touchdowns, two picks. 29 touchdowns, two picks, something like that. Ball's a good guy, man. Great teammate. Great dude. Great father, if you want to go that far. I love Foles. And, yeah, he's, he's hanging, if you know what I mean. So he is definitely a free agent, correct? So I honestly don't know. I haven't looked into this because I remember something happened last year with the whole contract, but I'm pretty sure he's a free agent because I haven't heard anything about, you know, the Eagles shipping him off to get picks or whatever. I think he's going to be able to sign somewhere. So I do think he's a free agent. Now, listen, I've done my Nick Foles research. You know, I've been in the lab. Yeah. Uh, You know, Nick Foles has a little – the Eagles have a team option – for $20 million for him next year. There is no chance they opt into that. But if they do opt into that, he can give them $2 million to get out of that and be a free agent. I think he's going to take him and his horse with him, and they're going to go to hit free agency. Um, and I'm looking, and I was, we were brainstorming a little bit earlier. You know, and this one I'll say is Austin Woodland. The Jacksonville Jaguars look like a good team he could end up on. I think Miami might take a rip. I don't think Denver will. Case Keenum reminds me of Nick Foles. I don't think he'll do that again. I'm getting off a little bit. I'm going on a tangent. I'll turn it back. <laughs> that was actually what I was going to ask next is, uh, I mean, he pretty much settled the debate here that Wentz is the guy going forward. I, listen, personally, I, I trade Wentz. I keep Foles around. I just think he's done too much for the city. No one's won you. When was the last? Have you ever won a Super Bowl before Nick Foles? I don't, I don't believe so. Last, last year was the first Eagles Super Bowl ever. We did win an NFL championship in the 60s, though. People forget. So, so this man wins the city, their only Super Bowl, and you're going to take a 26-year-old redhead out of North Dakota oh. State oh. who gets hurt every single year. Whoa. This guy. I just I don't see it. I think I'm it's, I think it's a bad choice. There's a couple questions to answer here on my end. First of all, I'm going to start with where do I think Nick Foles will land? John, I think you've got a good point with Denver. You know, he's a potential other Case Keenum project. Average quarterback outside of the playoffs of the Eagles in that one season with Philly and Chip. I get that. Miami, I got two Miami fans in here. Do you know what draft pick they have? 13. Okay. I personally think Miami's going to draft a quarterback, go with Tannehill next year, and groom that guy. I could see that happening. Miami has a bunch of few needs, but I could see it for the future. I think I've got, a, I've got a, a place where I could see him and I could see this team making noise, and that is Washington. Okay, okay. Uh, you put Nick Foles on the Redskins, and that team is legit. I think they can 
not only win the NFC East next year, but they can make some noise in the playoffs. I think that's a pretty good roster. Got some weapons on offense. Maybe re-sign AP for another year. Not sure if he's a free agent. And then they've got a solid defense. So I think he could be pretty good in Washington. My pick for this is I, I think Oakland might take a shot. I was thinking Oakland there for a second. I thought Chad was going to say Oakland, but I'm pretty sure Gruden loves uh, Derek Carr, David Carr. Which one of them is it? Derek. <laughs> David um, Carr. And a couple, a couple of those things. My pick, regardless, I think I really do think it's going to be Denver, maybe Jacksonville. But the key thing for him is uh, he's not going to want to ride the bench at this point in his career. He just went out and almost did the thing again two years in a row. Um, and he's going to want a good defense. Jacksonville's got a good defense. Denver is deteriorating a little bit, but they got young guys up front and they can fly around. So, And I think the other part of it is weapons for him. Um, Denver has some guys, but not many. I mean, he's going to have Lindsey in the backfield. The rookie from SMU is pretty nice. Sutton, I think his name is. Um, and Jacksonville's got some guys, too. You know, Fournette can stay healthy. He's going to have a good backfield there, too. Um, a couple other guys flying around. But he's been hurt every year except the first. He got dinged up a little bit. It's not that bad. Um, however, when the guy is 100%, the man can ball out with the best. So, Mike, where is Philly picking this year? Philly, they got to be they gotta be late teens, early 20s. I haven't looked into it, but they were 9 and 7. So, Is their pick finalized now that they lost? It should be. But I haven't looked. And I haven't heard anything about it. So I, I would honestly assume they're probably picking in the 20 to 24, 20 to 25. I can see that. Well, because they, yeah, they just lost the divisional round. So there's only four teams picking after them. Right, right. Where do you want them going in the draft? Where do I want them going as in who do I want them to get? Yes, sir. <sighs> it's tough. See, the thing is. That was a long sigh. He's nervous for the future. I, well, you know, it's hard because injuries played the Eagles more than ever than any other team, I would argue. Redskins got it pretty bad, too, but I don't know what the hell is going on with the Eagles medical staff. I wish I knew, but every year there seems to be these outlandish injuries. I mean, Carson Wentz apparently had a broken back the entire season, and we didn't hear about it until the end, so who knows? You got other players coming up saying, yeah, they told me I had this injury when I played there, but it was really this, and they just put me out to play because they wanted me to. Um, but to answer your question about the draft, I think it's got to be corner or it's got to be on the, on the line, in the trenches. More on the offensive side. Uh, I would like to see a left tackle. I don't know how much more Jason Peters has in the tank. Guy's a legend, definitely a Hall of Famer, but the man's getting hurt a lot. So, John, quit, or, uh, Clemens, this is kind of up your alley, but for all three of you, more than anyone, do you think Doug Peterson's a top-five coach in the NFL? Absolutely. I absolutely do because he dominated the NFC last year. They were the number one seed last year in his first year. And I saw – I mean, he wasn't even supposed to make it this far. Everyone said it was the worst hire of the year. That on that, like, class of head coaches with Ben McAdoo and all them. <laughs> ben uh, McAdoo, what a joke. Yeah, I mean – and then he came back this year. That team was so injured throughout the year. that They had a losing record. They got really cold. He brought them back the last half of the year. They looked like the old Eagles. Unfortunately, Wentz got hurt again. So he hasn't had his starting quarter. He hasn't had his franchise quarterback two years. He won a Super Bowl and gave another run this year. I absolutely believe he's a top five coach. No doubt. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I agree. The fact that he takes so many risks and just calls ridiculous plays, 
and they work. Like coaches do that and they don't work, but the, his work. So you got to give it to him. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got to be a top five coach. Nothing gives me more blood flow than a little fourth down. Go for it. Yep. Never punt. Play the Madden style, baby. I ain't punting. I'm nah. right there. I think he's probably the fifth best coach. And I think the four in front of him are all coaches that still remain. So pretty interesting. I, I, think, um, I think the point on injuries that John made is key. I also think you got to give kudos to Jim Schwartz. That's my guy. The man had seven different D-backs at one point this season that had never played before, never started a football game. They all learned to play get play together in that last five weeks, which led to that comeback and the record. They started to figure it out. So I think the coaching as a whole is very strong. They missed Frank Reich. Uh, kudos to him and Indy. Tough loss for them. But I think Dougie P is a hell of a coach. I love Doug Peterson. I thought it was a great hire. You know, you get some of that work with Andy Reid, who made the Eagles who they were in the 2000s. So. I'm a big fan of Doug. And he gives the players ice cream, so you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Wow. I I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, before we wrap it up here, what is your 2019 Eagles prediction? We want it live on the air. We want a record in writing. We're going to need this in the archives for, for next season. Uh, I'll give it to you right now. Um <laughs> 11-5. They take in the draft as well. Uh, what Who position? they take in the draft? In what position, yeah. I don't have a name for you. I think it's going to be a left tackle, an offensive lineman. I think on offense, they're going to have enough weapons, especially if we keep Golden Tate. Um, I think Golden Tate's going to have a hell of a season next year now that he knows the system well. He's, he knows the guys well. He's going to be nice. I'm going to say Eagles 11-5, and five, uh, number one seed in the NFC East easily. Only team they really got to worry about, I would say, is probably Dallas. But I don't like Dallas, and I don't think they'll be that nice. So, um, deep run in the playoffs, maybe Super Bowl. I'm telling you guys, if Carson stays healthy, if he can make it through the whole year, the team is nice. Like, this, this is what makes me upset is before Carson tore his ACL in L.A. that one week, like week 13, they had two losses. They were unstoppable. Their defense was untouchable. They were rolling over teams. They beat Denver was number one in defense that year. We blew them out of the water. It was like 40-something to 15 or some shit like that. Denver's always number one in defense. They never win shit. I know. I'm, they never I'm win just, anything. I'm just saying, man. Like, I really think the Eagles got the right pieces in place. I think they can run with anyone. They proved it last year without Carson. They almost did it again this year without Carson. Injuries are going to be the key. If they can stay healthy, I think they can play with anyone. So, big, so, uh, oh. I was so going to say, Big Rod, do you have uh, predictions for us for uh, this weekend and then the Super Bowl? Mm. Yeah, you know, I think I'm hoping both games are going to be good games. I don't want to see another blowout like we saw before. Um, I'm going to take Saints over Rams. I'm going to take Pats over Chiefs. And I'm going to say Saints win the game 34-28. Okay, wow. That's damn good. I agree, Michael. Mike, it, it was nice for you to join us as the, uh, the first guest on the show here. Yeah. Uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future. And, uh, you know, I don't think that Eagles Super Bowl is going to happen. But if it does, we'll definitely have you back. Mike, I just got one more question. 
Hit me. Just before we let before we let the people off, um, when's the fight? When's the fight, folks? For those of you that don't know, uh, John Clemens, one of your co-hosts, and myself have uh, decided to hold a boxing match at the Barclays Center here in Brooklyn, New York. Um, come one, come all. Tickets will probably be around five hundred apiece. Um, we're looking to fight sometime in April, maybe May. It's for uh, charity. For charity. It's for charity for sure. John might take a cut, but. Um, most of it's going to charity. Well, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll jump into uh, reviewing the, uh, the championship weekend here then. Please, sir, I want some more. Get into uh, Saints versus Rams on Sunday at 3.05, I believe. And um, I think it's going to be a good game. I think I have the Saints winning this one. I just think. Both offenses are spectacular, but I think the Saints D at this point is a little bit better. So I'm leaning the Saints. I hate to do it, but um, I think also with the coaching adjustments that Sean Payton's been known to make, I, I see the Saints winning this game. Because I'm a completely unbiased Atlanta Falcons fan that has to play the Saints twice a year, I think the Rams win easy. Saints come in uh, three-point favorites at home. Um, I'm taking Jared Goff, Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, and the Rams to come in there and get off to a hot start similar to Philadelphia and not give it up. I, uh, as everyone must know by now, I have the Saints winning the Super Bowl, so they're obviously winning this game. As I mentioned before, Michael Thomas is going to eat, and I don't think they're going to have a problem moving the ball. You know, I think the, the Philly game was a little bit of a wake-up call because their offense clearly didn't look the same as it had for a majority of the year. Um, but I, I believe that they're going to they're gonna roll. It's going to be a good one, though. They're going to allow some points. It's, I think it's going to be high scoring, and it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a good one. You know what I just remembered? I also believe I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so you lie. <laughs> so that is so embarrassing. I would hate to be in your position right now. What is he going to do, Chad? How do you respond to just picking against your Super Bowl winner? I'm switching it after last week. I'm taking the Rams. I'm my Super Bowl winner. I just had him going to the Super Bowl and losing to the Chiefs. Interesting. See, John, one area where I disagree with you is I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think this one's going to surprise people. I think it's going to be a... 20 to 17, 24, 21 type of game. I don't think either team gets over 30. I think they spend a lot of time feeling each other out in uh, the first half. And I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to be very high scoring, but I do think it's going to be a good game. But I think um, home field advantage is really going to help uh, New Orleans. And in the end, Kamara runs wild. And finish. Kamara finishes with... 120 on the ground, two touchdowns, and he also finishes with 80 through the air. So two of their scores will be from Kamara, and I think they hold it down in the end. All right. I mean, I don't think it's going to be low scoring. One of us will be right. It's going to be me. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Of course you think it's you. All right. Then the second game is Pat's Chiefs. Connor, you want to hop in there? Oh my goodness! I I can't see the Patriots go to another Super Bowl. It doesn't even matter what I think's going to happen to the game. It can't happen. I refuse to watch this godforsaken team 
They're, they're basically the equivalent of the Mongolians in ancient times. They're going to come into your village and they're going to take everything and kill everyone. And they're not going to care. And you're going to hate them, but they're going to they're gonna win every time. Um, I need Tom Brady to retire ASAP. I need Belichick to find another hobby. I need Gronk to, to just completely crumble. Oh, man. Uh, Patrick Mahomes at home. He's going to be slinging the rock. I like Tyreek Hill exploiting uh, an above-average Patriots defense, and I think the Chiefs defense stepped up big time last week. I think they uh, they keep the momentum rolling. I got Chiefs 33-27. Breaking news. It's official. Connor Powers is now the historian of the seventh rounders, uh, so keep that in mind. you have any historic facts that uh, you have questions on or you want in the show, Hit up Connor. He's going to be your man. Uh, John, what do you have on this game? I um, famously was completely wrong in my AFC prediction for the Super Bowl. The San Diego Chargers got sodomized out there by the Patriots. And so naturally, I think I've got to put New England. New England's going to win because, I mean, they, that's what they do. So I'm not going to pick against Brady again here. They're going to go into the Super Bowl. They're going to win this game. And I would love to be wrong. I really hope I'm wrong this time. New England wins, and they don't just win. They blow their doors off. 41-17. Um, I hope for a good game, but I'll tell you what. I'm going to be with um, my beautiful girlfriend for this game. And as a Patriots fan, I, I, can't, I can't have her grumpy. So, I don't know. I'm very mixed on this one, but I think the Patriots destroy them. Ah. Uh. I hope not. I really can't stand to see that again. Yeah. It's well, just, I'm just being realistic with myself here. You just got to keep the expectations low because they're going to win. But geez, right. John. We, we have a brand new topic this week, courtesy of John Clemens. Uh, John, would you like to introduce us to your, uh, your brainchild here? Oh, absolutely, dude. So here, what we're calling the segment, Good or Not Good, we're going to take three players – you know, it might not be every episode. It's going to spring up every now and then. We're going to take three players. We're going to say simply, you know, are they good or are they not good? Um, and I'm just going to start right away. Chad, I'm going to give you the floor with this one because I think you got a little passionate. Uh, <laughs> I feel a passion just oozing out of you. As I, as I think of this name, I feel like you can feel it. Dak Prescott, what do you think? Dak is – he's bad. And – Part of it is I just strongly dislike, I don't use the hate word anymore, strongly dislike the Cowboys. But Dak is just, it would be the biggest mistake in the modern era of football if they sign him to a long-term extension. I, I, I don't care that he made the playoffs, what, two years ago and he made it this year. They're never going to win a Super Bowl. They're never going to make it to a championship game with Dak Prescott. He, yeah, he'll be good for... 250 yards, but so is Ryan Tannehill. I mean, you need they need to take a risk and, and draft a quarterback or go get Mr. Big Nick Foles in free agency, and they do that, and Dallas could be very well in the Super Bowl next year. But Dak, Dak holds him back, and that he's just he's a bad football player, not a bad person. I, I probably would like the guy. He seems pretty mellow, but he's he's just awful. Listen. And I think you brought up a good point there. And then we're, we're going to touch this back to last week's episode. Um, sign Nick Foles. You start Dak Prescott the full year. Week one playoffs. Hey, Nick, get in the game. 
win us the Super Bowl again. I think that's a viable option because Dak, Dak can definitely – he can win games. He's been doing that since college at Mississippi State. I, I just – I don't know if he's got the it factor. That's, that is my concern with Dak because I think he's got the skill set. I don't know if he has the it factor to win the big one. You think he has a skill set? Uh, he he's efficient. He's an efficient player. He's he's a bit of a game manager. I think he's a slightly more exciting Alex Smith, but I don't think he's the it factor. You know. I love that comparison. Um, I I was quoted on last week's episode of calling Dak Prescott bad then, so I agree. I think he's bad. People, one thing that I just crossed my mind actually, people forget he got like smashed over the head with a bottle in college on spring break. Fun fact, story for another day. But I think he's bad. I I think he he is a game manager and he can he can win games because the Cowboys have a legitimately solid roster. They have a good team all around. He manages the game, doesn't turn it over. But like Chad said, he's not going to win you games. And he does tend to turn the ball over every now and then. So for that reason, I'm out. Right, fair enough. All right, I'll give you the floor here to whatever. Answer. Is he good or bad? I said he was adequate. <laughs> no, you got to pick one or the other, brother. This is your segment. And, and for the reason that I think you have to have the it factor to be good, I will say he's not good. But I am not saying he's bad because he is not bad. That is not true. <laughs> All right, next player. I'm going to give you the floor here first, Connor. Kirk Cousins, what do you think? Oh, my God. This is the easiest one on the docket tonight. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. People thought they were upgrading when they got rid of Case Keenum. This man would throw for like 4,000 yards and win seven games. That's red flags everywhere. Because you know why? He gets in the red zone and he throws the ball into the stands or to the other team every time. One of the worst red zone quarterbacks I've seen since I've started watching football. He's really bad. And... I think the Vikings are going to be nothing better than uh, a first-round playoff team every year with him. Connor, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say bad, but I'll admit I didn't always think so. Think so. Going into the year, I I was excited to see him in Minnesota. I thought he would be a big upgrade over Case Keenum. And the weapons he had, there no excuses for what he did this year. And just seeing Alex Smith with the Redskins, they were when Alex Smith was healthy. My God, they were they were in the playoffs. So I'm in the NFC East, I believe. With Alex Smith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's just the weapons he has there. I mean, Thielen and Diggs and I know Cook was hurt some of the year, but there's in their defense. um declined a little bit but not enough to warrant not making the playoffs so at this point i'm going to say bad and they're roped into that for a few years so we'll we'll see if he can rebound next year but i i don't know i don't see it yeah what is it 70 80 million dollars guaranteed yeah that's a brutal contract i i would have to agree he's not good and i also would say you know when he was in washington i actually thought he was good i think now i'm realizing that that was a fabrication and a, a government cover-up in <laughs> Washington. So here's some numbers just to rattle off for you. Kirk Cousins is 5-13 and 13 in primetime games. He is 5-24 and 24 against teams with a winning record. 
And that fifth win came against the seven and six Miami Dolphins, fresh off the Miami Miracle. They didn't win again the rest of the year. They stink. It's a stinky win. I don't even count it. He's four and twenty-four against teams with a with a winning record. And the guy, he's not winning. I mean, not winning. It's simple as that. There's no excuse with that roster. Minnesota has a legit roster, top to bottom, and. Some positions may have declined this year, but that team should have been in the playoffs. I had them winning the Super Bowl before the year, fun fact. Yeah, so so that's a consensus with, without a doubt. And then our last quarterback we're going to talk about tonight, good or not good, and I'll, I'll kick this one off. I'll kick I'm this one intrigued. off. I'm intrigued by this one. I'm going to give myself the floor here. I'll be real. Marcus Mariota, Tennessee Titans. John, what do you think? Thanks, John. Um, well, here we got Marcus Mariota. I and this 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 one's hurting me. It, it I'm at a crossroads, and I'll tell you why. Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans are arguably, and I haven't played in a while. I love using them in Madden. He is a fun quarterback to use. I love the mobile quarterbacks. So it, it's like he's in my heart. I want to say good. My brain in real life, he's not good, and I hate to say it. Um, the the guys. He's a 500 quarterback, it seems. He turns he had 15 picks two years in 2017. He had 15 picks. He only 13 touchdowns. That's that's terrible. I could I couldn't do that. But I mean that's terrible. He only had 11 touchdowns this year. I mean he was hurt. He played in 13 games though. He still played in 13 games. He only had 11 touchdowns. It's just not. That's just not good. You know, you know what? I'm gonna, I, I'm of the opinion. I think he's good. You know, I, much like you said about Dak Prescott being a game manager, I think Mariota is as well. I honestly think Prescott has better tools uh, physically, but uh, Marty Mariota's got got some sort of it factor. I think. I think he makes big plays every now and then. People forget he's only 25. You look at 2015, 2016. QB ratings of uh, 91.5 and 95.6. That'll win you games. He threw for 3,400 yards in 2016. Um, been plagued by injuries, um, but I do honestly still think he's good. Um, I'm a believer in him. I think he's much better than Jameis Winston, his uh, co-draftee. Um, but I think this is a make-it-or-break-it year for Mariota. He has a bad year. I think you got to move on if you're the Tennessee Titans. All right, Powers, I agree and disagree with you. Um, I agree at the moment. I think he's good, but very short leash. Got to see major improvement next year. The area where I disagree is um, comparing him to Dak and Dak having better tools. I disagree. I think there's a reason Mariota was picked second overall and Dak wasn't picked till what, the second or third round? I think that has to do with the tools right there. And part of me, I don't know. I, I kind of blame the coaching in Tennessee. They they haven't had weapons. Corey Davis is a bust. And uh, really, the running game didn't pick up till week, like, 15. So he hasn't had a ton to work with. And then the injuries. I mean, I, I guess you can fault him or you, you can. I, I, depends on how you look at it. But you can get him healthy. And let's be honest, he was not healthy the whole year. So if, if you have a healthy Mariota with a couple weapons, 
I think he could be productive and the Titans could make the playoffs. But, I mean, Titans in general are just so boring, it's, it's cringeworthy. They're, at this point, the Titans might be the most boring team in the NFL. I would, compare, cool. I would compare the Titans to the Chicago White Sox. I agree completely. They're very <laughs> boring. Um, but I just want just to close here with Mariota. Both of you mentioned the, the injury problems. That's another thing for me. I, I, that's just not good. You got to stay healthy to be able to be a good player. So, um, but we'll transition here. We're gonna look at some. We're we're gonna stay on the topic of quarterbacks. Let's let's talk about some college quarterbacks. A ton of news lately. The past week has been a whole whirlwind uh, for some major college programs with transfers from star quarterbacks. Um, and we'll, we'll, we're gonna start with Kyler Murray. He's not part of that group, uh, but he has decided to go to the NFL. So let's hear what we think about Kyler. So. He's decided to enter his name in the draft. Not official. He's going to be playing football. But from what I've read, there's mixed opinions. You know, some places have him as a top 10 pick and think think his game can translate to the NFL, while others just think it's a smokescreen. And really, he doesn't uh, – he'll be picked too high is how I'll put it. And I don't know. I'm right in the middle. Uh, as a Dolphins fan picking 13th, if Kyler Murray's there, heck, I would consider it. Um, you look at guys that you could compare them to, like Russell Wilson or even your boy Baker, MVP Baker. Um, he's definitely got more speed than both of those guys, but can he get a ball over the line of scrimmage? Like, there's a good case that, or a good chance that eight balls a game will get knocked down at the line because he's literally shorter than my sister. <laughs> I I personally of our. Uh, wow. Sorry. Let me back up real quick. I apologize to my viewers. Um, I am of the opinion that he is not going to do well in the NFL if he goes. I personally think he is one of those classic college quarterbacks who wins the Heisman, can throw in college because he's got great receivers. He can just sling it down the, the field. He's playing in the Big 12. And without a doubt, he's the fastest player on the field most games. I just think the NFL is different. I think he's too small. I think he either gets hurt or has trouble throwing. I personally think he should stay with baseball. However, I think it's kind of baller that he's trying to get $15 million out of the A's. It could backfire, though. So uh, that's a story we should uh, we got to stay tuned for. I, if I'm the A's, I'm, I'm telling Kyler to kick rocks. Honestly, like <laughs> he publicly demands $15 million for that, and he – clearly would much rather go to the NFL. That's what I think. I mean, so if I'm the A's, I'm telling him to kick rocks. And if I'm Kyler, I, I actually think he could succeed in the NFL. I, I actually think he could. I think that's the way the game is kind of – it's evolving that way. I think he could do well in there. So it'll be interesting, no doubt. Um, but let's transition here. His replacement now, as of this afternoon, Jalen Hurts transferring to Oklahoma. Yeah. That was uh, that was shocking to me. Lincoln Riley building an absolute uh, dynasty over there, although they are still not even in the realm of uh, Clemson, Alabama. They will always be a third or worse team, uh, at least for the considerable future. But that's a great pickup for him. Um, I did see something today that uh, Oklahoma had come out or the five-star recruit that they had recruited had come out and said that, uh, Lincoln Riley had promised him um, that no transfer quarterbacks would come in, and here we are. 
like a few weeks later, Jalen Hurts in the door already. Um, I'm interested to see how that works because I don't think he throws all that well compared to Kyler Murray. And I think that offense is a lot more throwing than, than running. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I don't think he'll be able to stretch the field like Baker or Kyler did. I think that's a big part of Oklahoma's offense. However, you got to remember they've got uh, what's the Anderson, Rodney Anderson, the Oklahoma running back that was out the whole year. He's going to yeah. be back, correct? And I'm not sure about Hollywood Brown, but he'll have weapons around him. I, I mean, they've got a deep receiving core. They just landed a five-star. The draft, by the way. Hollywood is. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, they have a five-star receiver coming in. They they have legit receivers all over the place. So I think he'll put up gaudy numbers first five or six games, but I, I think they'll lose a game or two. I don't see him back in the playoff. Um, John, I do have a bone to pick with you. Uh, you cut the segment too quickly on us, so I didn't get a little rebuttal. But your, your Kyler take, that's the way the NFL's going. Interesting. So what do you have to say to uh, Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, Drew Brees? All six of like the last eight quarterbacks left. And I don't see any of those guys. Any of those guys running. I, I didn't mean that. That's not what the quarterbacks are. It's I'm talking more of the style of offense is more of what you're seeing with like the Oklahoma. Just an up tempo. Jared Goff runs an up tempo, fast paced offense. I'd like to think Drew Brees runs an up tempo, fast paced offense. Rivers and Brady. Yeah. Don't. yeah, and the RPOs. I mean, it, it's definitely. I, that that is the offense that Kyler will succeed, and that is why I think that he could have um, a good NFL career. Okay, I disagree, but I guess we'll agree to disagree. Um, so now we'll move on to Austin Kendall, Oklahoma quarterback, who is now, as of within the last two hours, he's officially allowed to transfer to West Virginia. There's been a couple days where Oklahoma was blocking the transfer. I'm going to be honest, I don't know virtually anything about Austin Kendall. I know he was at, I believe he was at Baylor, and he was allowed to transfer when they, when stuff hit the wall there. So I have no clue what to expect. I mean, he can probably go there and throw for 5,000 yards because it's the Big 12 and it's a gosh darn joke, but good for, good for him and good for, I mean, Oklahoma realizing what they're doing was BS, so... I'm a fan of the transfer. We'll see what happens. Austin Kendall, a Charlotte, North Carolina native. Uh, that's where our co-host John Clemens currently resides. So shout out to that. I, I'm just going to say this now. I don't know why in, why in the hell or where you thought he played at Baylor. He did not ever play at Baylor, Chad. Are you uh, sure? He, he's a, he's a four-star recruit out of, out of the Charlotte area, and he committed to Oklahoma. He never played at Baylor. I don't know. Maybe the wine's getting to your head, man. You've been pounding that. I'm seeing you pounding that wine. But Austin Kendall, I mean, he could be interesting. So I lied is what you guys are saying. You lied. You lied on it. Okay. In all fairness, that was my first lie because Connor's lied like three times so far in two episodes. (laughs) So I'm give me a lie per podcast. One per segment. That's all I ask for. Per segment or per podcast? That's a big difference. Segment. (laughs) <laughs> I'll like, save him up for later. Sorry, folks. We're, we're gonna get back on top. Don't worry, don't worry. Uh, Justin Fields, obviously, he was the top recruit, I believe, in his cycle. Top quarterback recruit went to Georgia. 
Uh, he, I guess he doesn't think he's going to end up playing there. He goes to Ohio State, and I think that's really interesting. Personally, I'm going to start here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead off. I think Fields is going to put up some exceptional numbers at Ohio State. Um, and I know Chad's going to want to touch on this being a, being a student there. Um, but, I mean, you'll get Haskins, and I think, I think Fields could be even more dynamic than he was. So, Chad, what do you think about the, about the transfer here? John, I completely agree with you. We may not agree often, but I completely agree. Haskins arguably had the most proficient quarterbacking year in Big Ten history, and I think Fields could unseat him. I mean, Fields has an absolute cannon attached to his arm. He didn't get to show it much at Georgia. I mean, just being in late in games that were over, he was running the ball more than anything or handing it off. But he has an absolute Trojan horse attached to his arm. Don't know why I said Trojan horse, but there you go. Um, and also the mobility. You know Ohio State offenses in the past with Braxton and JT Barrett. It's a big part of it. And they didn't really have that with um, Haskins this year. But I think... Um, I think his mobility combined with also a cannon, he could he could unseat uh, Haskins' numbers. And uh, I'm excited to see. Hopefully, uh, he's deemed eligible this year. I'm, I'm, it's from what the media is saying, I think he will be. Uh, not exactly sure what took place at Georgia. I know it was something with a baseball player and racial slurs. Of course, this is a racial slur-free podcast, so keep that in mind. We are promoting that heavily. So we're all on the just – well, at least us two are on the Justin Fields bandwagon. So hopefully he's ready to go this year. Listen, he, he got in a few games at Georgia this year. He looks legit in the limited action I saw. I, I like him. I think there's a reason he was the number one player in his class. I think he's going to be – Phenomenal at Ohio State, considering the amount of weapons and talent they have around him. Um, with that being said, uh, we're going to quickly touch on Tate Martell here. He officially transferred to Miami today, maybe in response to that Justin Fields transfer that came a few weeks earlier. Um, any quick thoughts on that before we move on to college basketball? I don't, yeah. I don't see Martell ever playing at Miami. I think uh, with their new coach in there, I don't even know his name, but I think once he starts recruiting his guys, he's going to roll with quarterbacks that he's got. Manny Diaz. I mean, I don't know. Martell, I would love love to see him in the MAC. I saw that somewhere. That would have been fun to watch him in the MAC, even though I don't like MAC football. But I don't, I don't see him really ever playing, and I didn't quite understand the move. I'm not exactly sure when the transfer deadline is, but I would have been more patient and waited to see uh, – Fields was officially eligible or not. So that's all I have to say there. I uh, I think that he's going to play because he's kind of, I think he's going to play. I think it's such a beta move by him to transfer because Justin Fields is coming in. And he doesn't even know, like you said, he doesn't even know if he's going to be eligible. So I think that Tate Martell is a beta and that he will play, but Miami will not win when he plays. So that that's how I feel about that one. Okay. Um... What else? Oh, we will touch on college basketball next week just because we're running out of time. And we're, we're, we'll, let's just well, get to the last call, boys. We, we do have to touch on this Duke-Cuse game. As much of a Duke fan as I am, that was ridiculous. Elijah, was his last name? Hughes? Elijah Hughes? Yeah. Best shot I've ever seen in college basketball history. 
I tip my hat to Syracuse. All I'm saying, Duke at full health, not even a game. Um, so we'll see you guys in the tournament if you get there. And that's uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, go ahead. Okay, I'll go. Um, but by far the best game Syracuse played all year. It's about time they made some shots. I mean, that team just relies on one-on-one and scoring over their opponents. So it worked out that game. And, I mean, the Jones injury was huge just because he completely shut down the point guards early on. But Tyus Battle with one of the most impressive performances I've seen. I honestly think since Mello, he's one of the best Syracuse players I've seen play. And that includes guys like Johnny Flynn and Devendorf. So that's all I've got there. All right. And, I, and I'm going to say this. The game I'm looking forward to, really looking forward to, Duke-Virginia this Saturday, 6 p.m. Virginia hot off of just smoking a Virginia Tech, not even close. I think that Drew, Duke is going to drop another. Virginia is going to win this game. Um and that might vault them up to number one, honestly. Virginia looks really scary. They're very they, – they fly under the radar. They fly under that radar. You know, you don't no – one's, no one's around the water cooler being like Virginia basketball, but they're very good, and they're going to – I think they're going to beat Duke here. They don't lose in the ACC. It's pretty Duke, phenomenal. No. Um, we'll move on to last call here. Um, I will start us off. Um, so the ACC football schedule just released today. Uh, I had some friends at school, shout out Dan Miller, um, ask me to uh, predict my win total for BC football here coming up. Um, I see Boston College football this year winning nine games, including the bowl game. I see them playing uh, in the December 28th, 29th range. Uh, I see them winning nine games, finishing top half of the ACC. A.J. Dillon, dark horse for the Heisman again this year. Um, I'm looking forward to it. All right. John, go ahead. And I'm sitting here watching the end of the South Carolina basketball game with three seconds on the clock. They have completed the comeback. There's 2.5 on the clock. They're up by one point. They were down a ton. I mean, this is coming down to the wire. I want to mention something else. You know, the top play, I don't know if anyone watches Sports Center anymore. You know, top play today, nasty goal. Chad, you might have seen it. Grimaldi for the Predators. Just an absolutely filthy goal. Um, our, one of another one of our huge fans, Alyssa Falls, sent me the video last night. Somehow it's number one. I don't know what's going on. There's some magic in the air. People are predicting things that just out out of nowhere. And I'm watching the end of the South Carolina game. They're at the line. If they lose this, I'll eat my hat. Chad, take the floor. <laughs> Guys, I uh, I'll end it with. Um something that's near and dear to my heart and has just really fired me up lately. And that's kind of the college football and the playoff format. And there's got to be some changes. I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's ridiculous what happened this year. And you know what? If I understand Ohio State lost a bad, bad one to Purdue and they didn't deserve to make it. But if you're going to go by putting Notre Dame in at three because they didn't lose a game, they had the highest floor, then why wasn't UCF at number four? So that really ticks me off. And uh, changes I would like to see is, as I watch John react, South Carolina won. But they got, they got to somehow uh, figure out non-conference scheduling. And I think they should do it like the NFL, where um, you know the top teams from each division play the following year in a non-conference game. And um, then just get rid of the, the four teams. It should have just been one, two, Bama, Clemson, and then three, four in a bowl game. 
Oklahoma, Notre Dame, and so on down the line, Georgia, Ohio State. Tell you what, that would have been a lot more exciting than watching some of those absolute A whoopings. So that's all I've got to say there. Um, we are out of time. So thanks to everyone that listened. Let me thing. South Carolina basketball is 4 0 in SEC play now. They're looking scary. Vanderbilt crested at 94.7% win probability. They were up 12 points with 13 to play. South Carolina comes back on the road. First win in Memorial Gymnasium in five years. That is a big statement win. Watch out for them in the SEC. I think I tore my AC joint with my fist pump. I'm in a lot of pain. Chad, close it off. I've got nothing else to add. So, seventh rounders, we're going to see you, ladies and gentlemen, next week. Thank you for listening.